to another episode of Done and Dunner. I am Jordan Chanowski, CEO of Fusion. But tonight, or today, I'm hosting another episode of a series in which my partner in crime, Bob Geller, and I talk to marketing experts around the world about various subjects. Today, I have the pleasure and honor of uh, speaking with a good friend and colleague. Uh, I'm going to do my best to pronounce it. Uh, Tina Longcherish. Perfect. Come on, seriously. Did I get it correct? <laughs> so I Great. met Tina when she was Tina Bjorfjell, and she is now Tina Longcherish. Uh, Tina was born in Sweden, but has lived around the world and has spent her career focused primarily on tech and not-for-profit. Uh, she has lived and worked in Croatia for Infobit. Uh, she has worked for the uh, Children's Learning at the Hall of Science. Uh, she's worked for Animal Welfare and several uh, PR agencies around the world. Uh, the special relationship that I have with Tina is probably what I think is the most significant, but probably is not. But Tina got her career started with Fusion, and uh, she, she is a protege of mine. But now the teacher has become the student because Tina has become an expert in global and international PR, and we're here to talk to her about that today. So first of all, Tina, thank you so much for joining and giving your time, and welcome to uh, the episode of Done and Dunner. Thank you so much, Jordan. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here and uh, thank you so much for that introduction. That is my pleasure. Now, Tina, strangely enough, you were born and raised in Sweden, but your first career job was in the US. And as I said, it was with Fusion. Why did you choose to come to the US immediately after school? So yes, I went to school in New York City at Pace University and uh, I think I fell in love with New York and everything it had to offer. I felt like it was the most international place in the world that I had ever experienced. And uh, I had this um, dream to work and live in New York City and work in public relations. So it is on that path. And um, I met you. And uh, to a large extent, you made that possible. Uh, it, it was my pleasure. So what was your experience like at Fusion? So um, I was very much uh, thrown into the fire, so to speak. Uh, I was exposed to all this new technology. Uh, I got to learn firsthand from you and from Bob and, and my supervisors. And uh, I was 22 years old and I think I was like a sponge. I took everything in that I could possibly learn. And uh, I got to travel through Europe uh, and uh, I spent a lot of time traveling between the US and Europe. Uh, there was uh, a year or two where I spent half my time in Stockholm and half my time in New York. So it was one of those experiences that really shaped me, uh, my view of PR, um, how I'd like to be as a leader. Uh, so it definitely, had a huge impact on my life. Well, this may not be a fair question because it's very general, but take it as you will. At a high level, 
what would, was your experience or what did you learn between the difference in working in the U.S. and, say, working in Europe? Well, I, I tend to think that there is this American uh, go-getter attitude. You can do anything. Um, that, of course, exists in other countries, too. But I felt the breadth of that, living and working in New York City, um, under your leadership, that as long as you put enough effort and enthusiasm and hard work into something, you can really make it. And I very much believe in that um, American dream still today. So I think... There is, a, there is a difference in that way. Uh, Europe is, you know, comprised of uh, a, lot of a lot of different countries, a lot of different history. Uh, there is regulations and uh, ways of doing business in every country. And the U.S. Um, stands out uh, in that way, that it's, it has that um, less complicated, very positive uh, way. Do you kind of fall victim to an extent once you work in the U.S. to comparing everything back to the U.S. So even if you work in Croatia, it's not necessarily Croatia versus Sweden or Croatia versus Egypt, but it's how does it stack up against the U.S.? Well, I think what I found is that when I lived, I, I lived in Europe, uh, I, I actually moved three times across the Atlantic over the course of the last 15 years. And Whenever I'm in Europe, I compare <laughs> Europe to the U.S. And when I'm in the U.S., I compare that to Europe. And I become the U.S. expert when I'm in Europe, and I become the European expert when I'm in the U.S. So, um, and I appreciate both worlds. I, I'm, 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 like you said, I'm born and raised in, in Sweden. I will always have that belonging. Um, but, but yes, I compare. Wherever I live, I always compare it to the United States, I think. <laughs> Well, I think the listeners will find it uh, either interesting or humorous that you actually live in Texas now. And so some may say that different regions of the United States actually fun function as differently as different areas around the world. Yes. <laughs> Texas uh, is almost like its own country. So. Right. <laughs> some people would say that about New York as well. <laughs> uh, so let's get into the into a bit of the thick of things. So. Uh, I would suppose that the first word that comes to mind when we think about doing any kind of global business in any capacity, certainly in, in a marketing or PR capacity, we think of culture. Uh, how does culture affect the way that you engage with uh, PR globally? So culture has a, has a significant impact on how you do PR. Um, if you are a media relations expert, for example, you would approach the media differently in different countries. You would socialize differently with, with media in different parts of the world. If you're meeting a reporter in Germany, you would most likely meet him after 3 p.m. at the local beer garden. Uh, if you're meeting a reporter in Croatia or in Southeast Europe, you can pretty much square, you can pretty much spend two hours, uh, take two hours out of your schedule, make sure you have plenty of time, drink a lot of very strong coffee and enjoy that local alcohol. In Croatia, it's called rakia. Um, and you have to learn how to adjust to that. In the US, uh, I think we are much more in a rush. Uh, it's, it's easier to work with media. They know what to expect. They know what to, um, 
what to ask for in a different way. It is a, it's, it's an easier process in general. But yes, you have to adjust to anywhere to, to the country that you're in, absolutely. And what does that mean in terms of actually engaging in a PR program uh, from country to country or region to region? How do you how do you adjust? How do you get a team to adjust to those differences in, in culture? So I, I think when a company is entering a new market, say it's, an, it's a new European country, you have to look at that country as to where are your customers? Um, what does the local competition look like in that country? And don't just look at the global players. Make sure to look at the local competition. There could be one company that has conquered that country only. And you may underestimate the media impact and the marketing impact that company actually has in the country. So I think you need to be quite humble. Uh, you need to do your research and you have to uh, look at messaging as well and see whether the messages, the core messages that the company has developed, does that actually work in the same capacity in that country? Well, let's talk um, about messaging just a little bit. Um, is the idea of messaging internationally to have one large framework of messages and then you strip out specific local ones or are you developing different messages for each region? No, I think you have to have a core message that correlates with the company uh, that all the employees know that um, is sort of unifying that business. Um, when you enter new countries and again, looking at the competition, um, you may have to tweak some of that core message to make sure that you are positioning yourself well against the competition. And are you, are you testing messages within a country and are you testing messages for how they're resonating for one country or one region versus another? Yes, I think you should. I think if you, especially in Europe, um, the European countries are so different. You have the Scandinavian market, for example, is extremely mature when it comes to, to technology. Uh, you may have a very different situation if you choose to enter Portugal, for example. Uh, and the maturity and the understanding of what a B2B tech company is doing could be quite different. Um, so yes, you would have to tweak at times the messages to make sure that you communicate to the audience so that they understand. So let's assume for a moment that you're not a large, well-funded business that has no problem with budget where you can go out and conquer the world, but you're a startup, you're an upstart, you're a company that is budget conscious. conscious. How does a company like that decide where to go first? Is it possible to, be, uh, to do agile PR uh, without needing that massive budget in order to function either globally or partially globally? I, I actually think it is. I'm, I'm in a position right now where, I, where I'm just about to start launching a company in another country. Uh, when I worked in Croatia, I was in, in a very similar position and um, where essentially one person um, and a local media person in that country could build out that complete campaign. Um, you, you can essentially build your messaging. Uh, the, the one PR person alongside the agency can build the messaging 
for the country, for the region, build up the media lists, um, all the tactics around it, um, and essentially launch the company in that country. Um, what I find to be the most critical element is the media relations part where you, you do need somebody or an agency, uh, or even better if you have an in-house person, uh, that is very much in tune with that local market, that speaks the language, that knows what's going on on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, that uh, the sort of uh, head of PR from the corporate office can cannot do, right? So what I have found is that it's, it's, it's quite a very hands-on procedure where you build all the marketing material, you build the press releases, you build media pitches, and then you essentially execute with that local person who is on site at hands for, for, the, for, the, for the media. Well, a couple of questions come to mind with that. When you're uh, releasing, when you're announcing a piece of news, uh, is that, that news uh, starting in a native language, let's just say English for a moment, and then being translated word for word, or is it being adapted to each uh, country, maybe with some tweak to the release or, or in some other fashion? You have to communicate in that local language. So you have to translate your marketing material, you have to translate the, those press releases, um, and you have to have that local person pitch it, reach out and uh, generate that interest. But, but are the releases literally translated word for word when you engage in multi-regional programs? Or is there any kind of tweaking of the of the message or of the quote or of anything else in the release? No, I, I think I think with any launch um, in any country, if you have a customer or customers in that country that can speak, that can give a testimonial, if you have even if you have a sales office, uh, all of those things matter, right? Um, so whenever you have the opportunity to, um, to have a customer launch with you, um, that will give uh, a different impact than just a general release that you once issued in the UK and now you're tweaking it just a little bit for, for Germany. Um, so customers are extremely important. Customers bring you credibility. Customers are essentially what the media will recognize um, they, they know the customer, they know uh, what that customer does. It, it gives you that immediate connection. And we're talking about customers. Is having a customer in one country, but not in another, good enough to make the launch, to do the launch in these other countries? In other words, is, is a foreign customer, does, that, does it hold water? No, there, there are no there are no written rules about this. I, I think I think you have to look at what you can bring forward, right? Um, if you have an international customer that's known all over the world, of course, launch it in all the countries. Um, if if it's a very specific local customer that you know a lot of people may not even have heard of, they just happen to be in that country. Uh, it is, um, it is a much harder to then just duplicate that and launch that same story in another country. Um, but again, uh, there is um, UK media, for example, English-speaking media, 
Uh, same goes with the US. Uh, there is much more space for UK and US media are essentially the largest media markets in the world. Um, there is more space for trend stories. There is more space for um, sort of uh, industry type of news that are not necessarily all about you know, profit and, and customers, right? So, so you have an opportunity to build um, an English sort of uh, launch in the UK that uh, where the media essentially uh, can um, be picked up in other parts of the world as well. And, and if that customer speaks one language, let's say it's, it's English, uh, do you put that customer in front of countries where English isn't spoken quite well? <clears throat> um, I, I always try to find the local uh, person in a country, uh, whether it's a salesperson, uh, whether it's an account executive that has worked with a particular client. Uh, if you have a marketing arm and a field marketing manager in those country in that country, that is always the better choice. Um, you come into countries like Italy, France, um, Portugal, it's going to be difficult. Uh, even in the tech industry, it's going to be challenging only to speak English. When making a decision as to which countries or regions uh, you're going to approach, clearly the, the company has some basis or rationale for wanting to go to a country. There's a sales related issue or customer related issue there, or there may be others. But from a marketing perspective, what are some of the criteria that you're thinking about uh, that would that would dictate whether or not you go or prioritize one country over another? I think it's the potential of a of a customer base and uh, the expansion potential in that country. I think ultimately today you have to look at profit. You have to look at the company where where are they expanding and why. And that has to overweigh why we are going into a country for media purposes only. So <clears throat> it always comes back to that. You know, where, where are we building uh, the company? Uh, where are we branding the company? Where um, are our customers? Um, I think that is always the number one priority. And what are the barriers? Like language might be a barrier. Are, are there other barriers to look for? Oh, their language might be a barrier. Uh, the way of doing business in some countries could be a barrier. I had a partner event once for a company in uh, in Moscow, in, in Russia. Um, this was when I worked in Croatia. Uh, we had an event planned on a specific date. We are about to start the event at this one hotel. And uh, it turns out that this one local company in Russia doing the same similar things to, to my company had hijacked the event, had bribed the hotel, and um, we had to physically send people home because there was no more event for us to attend. So the, <laughs> those, are, those are things that can obviously happen in places like Russia, can happen other places as well. Uh, things that you simply cannot prepare for. I had an office opening once in Egypt, <clears throat> um, where I was told by marketing that there is a camel man who also works at the local gas station and he knows all the media we need to meet with 
and he needs 250 euros from the ATM machine at this one particular bank, or we are going to get in trouble. <laughs> so, which I didn't do. I didn't send somebody over to that ATM machine. But, but these are examples of obstacles that can happen. Uh, I, I think um, in the U.S., we are so used to a very mature uh, media market. Uh, public relations is doesn't have to be explained. Uh, this is not the case all over the world, right? There is there's very different viewpoints of PR. Um, but these are just a few examples um, where business ethics don't always, um, you don't always know. Those are fantastic stories. What are the best and worst uh, that you've seen? I, I, those may be, may be in the top <laughs> one or two, but what, what are some of the best and worst experiences that you've run into? Uh, well, I have had uh, executives, uh, VPs, uh, not showing up at all at uh, interviews. Uh, I think that is one of the worst things that happens to any PR professional. Um, they simply don't show up to an in-person meeting and you're standing there and uh, you feel <clears throat> pretty stupid. Um, but yeah, the Egypt story is up there. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, I think those are some of some of the stories that I can think of right now. But um, yeah, there is there is definitely different ways of doing business in different parts of the world. In in uh, in Southeast Europe, time is <clears throat> viewed very differently. Uh, waiting for somebody for half an hour, forty five minutes, uh, is perfectly normal. If you go up, if you go to Stockholm and you're ten minutes late, people are starting to get really uncomfortable. Uh, until you learn that you have to wait for people, the more important the person is, the longer you may have to wait for that person, uh, especially in, in, uh, in Croatia and the Balkans, Bosnia. Um, this is perfectly normal. Nobody has a problem with that. It's important to get a smoke break in every 30 minutes because that's what we do. And, and uh, uh, in the U.S., I, I never had to encounter that. So I have to ask, what's the strangest country that you've ever worked in? The strangest country I've ever worked with, um, maybe, it, maybe it is Egypt, now that I think about it. <laughs> uh, let's talk about agencies. What is the right time to think about an agency in, in a global program, a PR agency in a global program? And what is your advice in terms of hiring agencies? Is it a lead agency? Is it uh, agencies uh, in each region or other words of wisdom there? Right. No, I think it depends on the company. And like you said, it depends on the budget, of course, as well. What I have found uh, when I initially, my, one of my first <clears throat> sort of global launches, I was convinced that uh, the company needs this large agency that has offices all over the world that can just, uh, you know, trans for the knowledge from you know the U.S. to Paris, and it was going to work just just great. And uh, it turned out that it didn't work that well at all. And and um, in many countries, and I tend to think the smaller the country, the more local you should get with PR, um, because there, there is usually five six top very local agencies with maybe 10, 15 plus employees that really know how to tackle the market. So I tend to think that um, for the U.S. and for the U.K., um, 
hire that agency and maybe spend a little more money on that retainer. Um, I tend to think in especially smaller European countries that you may want to look into the local agencies. Uh, Latin America, another part of the world that I found to be uh, a lot easier to work with local agencies than, um, than these large networks. Because um, they have the flexibility, uh, they have the hunger uh, that Fusion very much has as well. Uh, they want to succeed and um, they're really thrilled to take on one of these international clients that may not be so well known. And we all know the bigger the clients, the bigger the agency, the harder it is to get that attention for a startup, right? So, so I, I tend to think that you should go local, especially in smaller countries. If uh, we're talking about Europe for a, a quick moment, does the UK suffice as a media market and as your agency center if you don't have budget to go around Europe? See, the simple answer to that question is yes, uh, because the UK is the UK media market is that media market that can gain interest and credibility in other countries as well. Uh, because it's an English-speaking market, it's a mature market, and there is global media in London, right? <clears throat> so I tend to think if you, if you don't have the budget, um, I would say start with the UK and make that your priority first. Um, it's also easier to understand for an American company. Uh, the cultures are quite similar. Uh, the agency networks are very, very well established in the UK, right? And, and how far does that extend out? So if you're in, in Eastern Europe, does that still count? If you go as far as Russia, does that still count? Well, it's, it's hard to draw the map like that. But of course, uh, French media um, is in French. The French people read French newspapers. They need French business press. But if there is something major happening uh, in the UK and you get an article in the Financial Times, it could, it could spill over to other parts of the, of the world, right? But I think um, if you have a slim budget, um, I, I don't wanna draw the line somewhere in Dubai that this is, the, <laughs> this is the geographical border for UK media, it's hard to tell. Uh, Although but, the US media might serve that purpose because is it not true that the US media is read around the world? <clears throat> U.S. media is global, especially some of the top tier media outlets are read all over the world. Does it have the same impact for a French businessman to read it in, um, in the New York Times? Um, I'm still not sure. Uh, it definitely has a great impact. And, you know, the, the French media might even recycle that article because it was in the New York Times. Uh, but you still need to have that local understanding of French media and what happens in that media climate. Understood. Uh, talk briefly about uh, a, an integrated program. So it, is the way that you engage in different countries from an integrated standpoint, does that make a difference? Uh, do you need to do social first, sort of see the market? Uh, does that change from country to country or are there other factors that dictate how you might go about handling an integrated program internationally? So I think if you have those internal resources where you can uh, build a social media campaign, you can put out a couple of articles, the content team can write up something 
very relevant to what you're doing, to the product that you're launching um, in that local language, uh, along with PR, this is ultimately how it should happen, right? This is this is the way companies should work. It all, you don't always have those resources. You don't always have those hours. Uh, I tend to think that PR is that first initial um, <clears throat> try almost, right? Putting out that story, getting the media interested, it is... It is an easy, easier way to test the market before you put digital marketing, social media, advertising. Um, PR, PR in many ways serve as that first, I would say, test almost. Now, you're, uh, you're now working for a company called Agora, uh, if I'm not mistaken, yep. and you're about to do a launch. Without giving away any state secrets, is there any insight you can give us as to how you're going to go about this launch? So I, I think what I will be doing in this role is very much like what I said, <clears throat> start with start with the UK, build the momentum there, and then expand out to other parts of the world. Um, this company is focused on, on a European expansion and an EMEA expansion, uh, but there is also a global uh, goal as well. So I, I, I do think in the same way, absolutely. Test the market, <laughs> feel it out, and then build all the additional marketing efforts and resources around it. Any other thoughts before we conclude? No, this was, this was really uh, fun. Uh, I hope I added some value to the podcast. Um, and uh, like I said, uh, I, I worked at Fusion for three years and um, I, I, I think it's the one place where I learned so much about PR. It, it really laid the whole foundation uh, of how I look at PR today. So. And you had a lot of fun. We, uh, Tina and I had the chance to uh, reminisce a little before we got on and we were laughing because there were so many funny stories uh, from back then. And it was just fantastic being able to, uh, to think about them again. And, and Tina, I look forward to seeing you. I know we're, a world apart between New York and Texas, but not that far. And we look forward to seeing you. I want to thank you so much for taking your time and for sharing some of your thoughts. It was really wonderful. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Well, likewise, it was, it was, it was great talking to you. Fantastic. And I hope we'll, we'll meet soon.